this is Talking Sea, your weekly supply of the dark side, not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. Hello, everybody. My name is Josh Roach. I'm T Green. And I am uh, Moneybags, Maximum Paps. What's up, everybody? We also have a special guest with us tonight. Man with the plan who executes the plan when he puts his mind to it. Great Star Wars fan and, and really such an asset to the community. Um, our bounty hunter, Gecko himself from The Mandalorian, Dominic Pace. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Hello to all your listeners. And uh, I just can't tell you how appreciative I am of the support. I think this is kind of historic, really sort of very uh, fan motivated to have this opportunity happen there with uh, with Gecko. Just a perfect way to celebrate and put a beautiful close on this uh, this campaign over the last two and a half years. Yeah. So tell the uh, the listeners a little bit again about uh, your tour that you've had going across the country. If, if they, I, I think a lot of our listeners are aware, but if they weren't aware uh, what you've been yeah. doing and kind of the opportunities you've had. Absolutely. Well, for those who don't know, I've been a character actor for 25 years. I've uh, scored a lot of bit parts, a few guest stars, a few starring roles here and there, um, but also have done second team work, a little bit of prosthetic work. I doubled on Frankenstein. I was in Van Helsing and uh, I did, uh, you know, I was with Will Smith on Bright, etc. Anyhow, long story short, life, uh, lifelong Star Wars fan. I was featured in episode one and three of The Mandalorian, uh, I obviously being a humongous fan. And at that time with season one, it was obviously so special, even the side characters. Uh, the pandemic hit, so I decided to hit a campaign of promoting this character, um, but at the same time trying to do a bit of good throughout the community. Uh, I traveled over 50,000 miles campaigning for this character that was nicknamed Gecko. It's not even an official character. And uh, instead of just trying to promote myself, um, I figured during the pandemic, the best thing that I can do is to try to help a lot of small businesses, very similar uh, to a secondary uh, character actor, to a working man's actor, um, that are just sitting there trying to get by. So instead of charging any appearance fee, I actually gave the stores a percentage. Long story short, we we're able to raise over $30,000 for over 60 different comic book stores throughout the United States, over 42 states, including over $30,000 uh, for charity. Uh, continually campaigning and aggressive and enthusiastic with the character. Marvel took a liking to him. Uh, they were not allowed to use the character. Uh, I, I was so aggressive, I created my own fan fiction comic. Got me a little bit of hot water, but also put me on their radar uh, to where <laughs> Lucasfilm took notice that I had a tremendous amount of passion for this character. Continued to campaign. Uh, got a little dizzy once I got down to Florida this past summer uh, to where I had to call it quits. I had 10 more stops, and I just couldn't do it anymore between the summer heat and COVID and everything else. I just uh, threw in the towel. Uh, well, I was hitting up all of the licensed uh, companies because obviously the greatest dream to sort of put the icing on the cake for this character, similar to the 1985 series of Barada and Yak Face and Amanamon, etc., was to have his own figure. I know after the sequel trilogy, obviously they got really minute in terms of just playing it safe, playing it conservative with Baby Grogu, with Gina, with uh, Carl, with uh, you know Pedro, and just obviously just having the stars. Well, long story short. Uh, Funko Pop took an interest. It just, they were uh, teetering on the fence. They still are. Uh, but there's a company called Beeline Creative, which runs Geeky Tiki Mugs. The coolest things for any pop culture listeners, you've got to get a Geeky Tiki Mug one way or another. They have the coolest line 
of, of, of mugs, whether it's He-Man, whether it's Transformers, uh, whether it's G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, they have their hands in everything. Long story short, they saw my hustle and they were starting to create this, uh, this new line of mural mugs with the Star Wars universe. Uh, long story short, I got an email uh, from uh, Beeline Creative. They love the hustle. And obviously the one iconic screenshot that I have in Mandalorian is flanking the leader of the Bounty Hunter Guild, Grief Karga, and they offered to put him on the mug. Now, any other situation, if it wasn't this story of two and a half years, it's just a mug, it's just an appearance. But because of the, the journey that we've had with the fan base, our interaction with small business, and also our passion as a fan, and also a secondary character, I think that it really resonated with the fan base, with the country, in terms of being the working man, and sometimes not having an opportunity, but creating one for yourself. I have two sons, 16 and 13, Dante and Bennett, uh, personally, again, this does not reflect Lucasfilm or, uh, or the, the show, but I have not been very happy with the education system in terms of how they are presenting to our kids in terms of, instead of the victimhood, getting off your ass and creating an opportunity when an opportunity does not present itself. So ultimately, Gecko may not have his big, huge Wikipedia over the years, but I hope that his legacy may be in an urban dictionary that when you Gecko something, you get off your ass, you create the opportunity, you stop complaining, and instead of complaining what the country owes you, you go out and you try to help others. So I, I really hope that uh, a lot of the Star Wars fans uh, add this piece to their collection. Uh, I think it's historic, and I think it's a very unique uh, item to, uh, to have within your collection, specifically uh, because of how it came about. Uh, instead of this being, you know, the, the the final destination for your journey on this great mission that you've been on, uh, it it could really be the catalyst. You know, I mean, we we've seen how Lucasfilm does things in the past, and yeah. and they they revive they revive you know side characters to to, to basically lead in their as their own protagonist in a story, many times. Uh, I so agree. I, with yeah. I yeah. agree with you 100%. Um, I've been very fortunate to work as a character actor. I have about four other projects in the in the pipeline. The issue with me right now is just as far as the effort that I would choose to uh, to to emphasize moving forward after this quick little tour I wanted to do this summer to say thank you. Um, my concern is just a big ocean of amazing content coming with Kenobi, which is going to be tremendously cinematic, uh, an incredible storyline. And also you've got Ahsoka, um, you've got the, the movies that are going to be coming out, right? what is it, Rogue Squadron, et cetera. So it's just a concern when you have a franchise which has every A-lister at their fingertips sort of being buried to where the special, the side character may not be as special. Now, with that being said, uh, you know how strict Lucasfilm is, you know how strict Disney is. Even with the fan fiction comic, they could have emailed me last year, which they did not, and said, hey, listen, we got you got to slow all this down. So with what you're saying, I'm hopeful that maybe they're allowing me to not only promote their brand, but at the same time promote their, the character because they do have plans. But as far as for me, it's like with the hot girl, you know, you ask them out so many times or if you're dating somebody who's not interested. Not that I've had too many times with that, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, there comes a certain point where you say, hey, you know what? I, I did everything I could. I'm content that I, I sort of had this thing come full circle. It's almost like the Rudy Rudiger sack. He didn't make the NFL. But at the same time, there's that moment of celebration. And ultimately, I would love it to, uh, to uh, segue into other opportunities with the franchise. Um, uh, Lucasfilm PR did allude something in, in that regard. But also at the same time, I just don't want to be the guy in, in the fifth room with Mickey Rourke's character from The Wrestler to where, you know, there's crickets and I'm still signing Gecko the Bounty Hunter 10 years from now. Uh, yeah. from the screenshot from season one. You know, I, I've been in those rooms before. I've seen our lovable 
wrestlers that we've loved so much. I don't want to mention any names, but it, it's sad. It's sad. And, and, you know, it comes to a certain point where you have to just sort of, you know, move on gracefully. I hope to God it, it doesn't happen. But either way, at least for the immediate future, I think this Tiki mug, I think, is an amazing celebration uh, and an amazing achievement, but also something that the fans can be proud of because they were the ones who really uh, ultimately got me there. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it before. Like, I think there's uh, there's chances for opportunities in the future. Star Wars never throws anything away, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially I think once we get into a time period where we're moving, where we, we move past kind of the last several years with Disney, you know, they've really been focused on the original trilogy. They've about mined that to death. And uh, they're starting to step back now into the prequel trilogy era a little bit more, starting to do a few more things with that. But once we get into a, a time period where um, we're looking back on this time and they're kind of mining for uh, side characters, I mean, like Ara Singh, um, the bounty hunter from The Phantom Menace, who's just literally in one shot watching a, a, uh, the pod race, you know, yeah. she, she became kind of a major player in the yeah. lore of Star Wars and in the Clone Wars. And yeah, man, you just never know. But you're you've you've lived the dream i was talking to mikey earlier and i was like man i really think of you like first and foremost as like the uh the idol for most of us fans like i know so many people that would that i don't know what they would give up or what they would do just to have the opportunity that you've had you know you've you've uh you live the dream of just being able to walk on set and just have your part there you're you're immortalized in star wars now yeah Yeah, for sure Thank you so much. And that's the thing, too. You know, I, I told the story um, uh, about a week ago before I announced the, uh, the, the appearance of the Tiki. Of my, gr- my grandfather was in Italy after the war. He was taking his family, my mom and my uncle, uh, over to northern Italy in Venice. And there was a, a gypsy, a peasant uh, kid, and he asked him for a lira. And the other thing is, I really, going back, I think that John and Dave really were supportive through this campaign. And they have literally given me this lira. And uh, the, the gypsy goes to my grandfather and they said, he said, hey, can I have some more? And my grandfather, you know, back then it's not politically correct. He took the lira and just took it back. So my point is, is basically just ultimately also feeling that John, I had a conversation, uh, PR, Lucasfilm PR called me before my campaign last year, where I really almost bit off more than I can chew with his own, my own fan fiction comic. And they basically said, John is, is watching. I cannot promise you anything, but just keep doing your thing. Uh, give the comic away. Do not sell it. And uh, we're, we're OK over here. So the one thing for me is just really understanding on how sensitive Disney can be, how sensitive Lucasfilm can be, even with Aura Singh, when it's generated with Boba and Aura through the franchise, through Lucasfilm, it's one thing. When it is generated from the fan, from the not from the secondary actor, who's literally like a production assistant, a PA, um, that's where it's sort of a, a different sort of dynamic. And that for me is why I'm sort of treading on you know sort of uh, eggshells in a way to where I just have to be grateful that they have awarded me this much because it's almost like the uh, you know the the English Empire to where they are you know adorning uh, one of the the the, the, the <laughs> from history of the world they're adorning the piss boy for a second hey come here piss boy we want to give you a, a seat at the table here for a second and you know you're the piss boy you say hey you know what can I stay a little longer you know I want to stay can I this girl oh my gosh she's so hot let me hang out let me talk to her a little. And they're like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Because I'm sorry, my curses. That they say, <laughs> they say, you know what? We gave you so much that you still want more, but we don't want you want more. You you should be grateful for what we gave you. You're a little piss boy. So for me, don't you don't think don't associate my nickname with that. But you know what I mean. It's basically <laughs> saying, hey, 
hey, we did we did more for you than anyone in freaking Disney, you know? So that to me, that's where I'm looking at it from in terms of just being so that they know how appreciative I am. And I just don't want to, you know, it's like the guy on the dance floor after one hour and he's still got the same moves, you know? Uh, it's like, I, I don't want to- Not a good I, look. I don't want to be that guy. Not a good look. You know, hey, coming into Toledo Convention, we got Dominic Pace 2028 from Gecko from fucking, sorry, from Mandalorian season one. It's like, no, nah, hey, hey, get off the stage, dude. Get off the stage, you're done, you're done. That's it, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. man. Well, I, yeah, we were we were really talking and and uh, man, I was I was telling everybody like, oh man, Book of Boba Fett, they're calling in some muscle. Wouldn't it be great? I know I messaged you. I said, wouldn't it be great if uh, if Gecko yeah. showed up? And I don't think yeah. you know we well, dude, there he, might be some. I don't mean to cut you off, but the dude had me freaked out on Facebook. It was a week before the finale, and he's like, big big announcement, can't announce until after oh. next week. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, of course he's gonna show up, right? Oh, like, man, like he can't, he can't, heart. he can't say yeah, we anything until were... after the finale. So I'm oh. sitting there, I'm like, oh, all the bounty hunters are coming out. They're all well, coming. He's gonna be with. Bob's I, I knew you had, you had told me about the tiki mug some time ago. Uh, Dom, you, you know, I got the uh, the early confidentially, invite. confidentially, yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, is that, I can, I can edit that out if that's not, no, no, it's okay. No, no. I just said, no, confidentially. I, I, that's, I did tell you, but no, it's okay. You don't have to edit it out. It just mean I didn't tell, you know, publicly, but yes, yes. Yeah, I did. Right. Right. So I, I, but obviously, I mean, you know, I didn't even tell Mikey or anybody else that, uh, and then you told me, you know, that Lucasfilm had pushed it back. They wanted to wait until after book of Boba Fett. So yes. that gave us hope. That was the hope yeah. that we had. I was like, Oh, maybe they'll drop it. Yeah. But either way, yeah. uh, what, did, what did you think of Boba Fett? Yeah. Um, you know, again, let me start with with this by always saying, and just like I said with sequel trilogy, is that I, I don't view fans as toxic. I, I view them as passionate. And I, and I don't really, I think the reason I've clicked with a lot of the fan base is for appreciating the fans who, you know, with that meme where they just want to enjoy every single episode. And then also at the same time, um, the ones who are, are critical. Because again, it's just like our favorite sports team, our New York Mets, our Chicago Cubs, our, our Detroit Tigers. You're not hating on your team. It's just you're passionate because you love the team so much and you're spending $100 a ticket for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, for the concessions and everything else. Um, so with that being said, I, the reason I was very humble going into Book of Boba, whether Gecko was used or not, was because I really had a preconception that I thought this was a rock star moment where you're going to have the OG six and a slow walk in Jabba's palace finally reunite again. We're going to have all this story as to why they were on that, the captain's deck there, you know, whatever you call it. Uh, I didn't serve in the Navy. The, br um, sail the bridge. Sail march? You're, you're, oh, the bridge. You're on the bridge. You know, so, you know, we see the Vespas and, and, and again, forgive me. I, you know, I was just like, well, now I'm going to get a little insulted. I'm a little insulted because I thought Gecko. You know, I'm thinking this cinematic, like amazing entrance of Bosque and IG-88. And I'm like, well, Gecko's here because I see this sort of splinter cell of Vader, you know, coming straight from Vader's empire of these elite people, you know, not not the nightclub in West Hollywood, you know, where they're coming and they got, you know, the Power Ranger, uh, Fox Force 5 coming, you know, in the slow motion thing. But 5, 6 and 7, I love to death. Uh, and again, at the same time, just like everything in life, the way that I say it is you have to just pick the little positives of everything. And I, I can take every episode of every Star Wars show and you pick the positives of everything. But five, six, and seven is going to resonate with me. Uh, everything else, just like, you know, some of my movies, you, you know, they're, they're, they're forgettable. So, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, uh, yeah, there was there was uh, little bits and pieces. I mean, there's stuff to like about it and stuff not to like. And I am, uh, 
if anything, I'm a Star Wars apologist. Um, I can find uh, find a way to uh, explain away a lot of people's troubles. I've also been referred to as a Star yeah. Wars therapist for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He and, and Josh is even more so than than I, and I'm I'm glass half full Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but, but the two of us combined could probably cure toxicity and keyboard warrior hatred. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're pretty positive. You know, no. we're. I mean, I mean, even uh, and you know, I think the four of us are the same generation or a year or two away from that but um you know the four five and six are my movies too and as a as a 18 year old and then into my 20s i i learned to love the prequels and i love them more over time and uh you know with every day that passes i more than accept the new movies like they 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 have a no more uh loved place uh emotionally for me right like yeah. but that's when we were kids like that that's going to be magical for us forever Yes. That's why nostalgia is a billion-dollar industry right now, multi-billion-dollar <laughs> industry right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, even Ghostbusters hit that. It there's like this little thing in my brain that connects to my heart, and there's things like seeing the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters back is like hitting yes. that hitting that Luke Skywalker note button in yes. my head. You yes. know, yeah. Um, and and Ghostbusters is a perfect example where there were certain parts of that film that really tremendously you know, pulled right at the heartstrings. I just meant not, uh, I didn't mean the original trilogy uh, series. Uh, I meant five, six, and seven, a book of Boba that really stuck right. out right me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that well, both makes sense actually to me. Well, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, five, six, and seven are, I think, where a lot of people like jump back on board. Um, there was mixed reviews about the first couple episodes. And then- Two, two, uh, two, two was really going somewhere special because you had this, uh, you know, it sort of went back to, again, almost that Dances with Wolves, uh, this sort yeah. of connection. I mean, you can uh, associate it with the Maori, but also at the same time, I, I just did, uh, when I was touring to the country, I've got a huge fascination with the Lewis and Clark journeys. Um, and I just really love that. It just really turned me off in terms of the whole decimation of them. But again, hopefully that will come around to a, a bigger story later on. Uh, but I really enjoyed, too, with that connection there. And I thought that I love those deeper messages when Star Wars goes that direction. Yeah, it's great when they can, that's when Star Wars shines, you know, and I, I've said it before, like a lot of times people will try to emulate what George Lucas did, mm -hmm. but the difference, you know, like uh, let's take from Star Wars and let's try to emulate Star Wars, but it's almost like if you photocopy a photocopy, because all yeah. Lucas did was emulating these Westerns. He was emulating the, you know, the, the Japanese, the stories from Japanese culture. And yeah. I think that's where, that's where Dave and John can really shine because they go back to the to the source material that George Lucas went from. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's, it's like more original stuff. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot too is uh, there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of like backlash against uh, Robert Rodriguez yeah. and his episodes in particular, but, yeah, uh, yeah. it, and we, <laughs> yeah, a little bit too spy kids, but yeah. I, I will always be thankful that uh, he got Danny Trejo into yes. star Wars. The, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, but there, there's been a couple of conversations between myself and a couple other friends. And, uh, um, I know a couple of other podcasters and YouTubers too. Um, so maybe you can shed some light on this for us when, uh, the two episodes that you were featured in, um, were they directed by the same director? I think. No, no. Episode one was, I believe Filoni and uh, three was Deborah Chow. Okay. And so like, uh, when they do like a setup for something like the whole time when you were in that cantina, 
Um, so some of it would have been for Filoni and some, some would have been for Deborah. Like how much of a presence are each of the, like, is, do they just like come in and out? Are they there on the same day and they just yeah. like set up for, okay, go, go ahead. Yeah. Let us, let us, you, you can yeah. tell us better than I can. Yeah, both together. And I mean, really just physically and also spiritually, uh, John would come in and literally, you know, do his little, you know, almost like a little sprinkle. The one thing I loved about it was just organically how you felt such amazing positive energy, how every piece of tool, you know, even down to our second team, uh, you know, was just so organically uh, uh, done. You know, you go back to the 90s of James Cameron or, you know, Michael Mann or, um, you know, so many other legendary directors. Uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name? You know, Transformers director. I mean, literally yelling and screaming and, and you know, you, you just have this tension. Uh, but it was just this beautiful, organic flow. And Deborah was part of that, uh, John and Dave. But yes, it all interflowed. We did something. I don't know if uh, they ever reported in uh, any of the uh, behind the scenes called French Hours. And uh, the first time I ever went into Golden Time, which was amazing. Golden Time is when you go after 16 hours, you actually get your paycheck all over again, uh, which is amazing. Wow. Um, they've done that to protect because back in the Little Rascal and Three Stooges days, they'd walk you, they'd work you until you're, uh, you're, you're schlepping on the floor. Um, and then they'd say, OK, be back at 6 a.m. Um, but French hours is what's called where we overlap, where you just go away and you get a quick lunch, but not everyone's broken for lunch. So everything is just kind of interflowing because they're on a time crunch and they don't mind the meal penalties. They don't mind the excessive overtime because in the end, um, they're actually uh, budget wise, it actually works out for them there and such. But yeah, they just sort of overflowed each other um, to where Deborah took over after the season uh, episode one cantina scene. And she's the one who. Uh, picked me out and selected about 10 other bounty hunters to continue on that looked the most unique to have the, the standoff in episode three. Yeah. Awesome. And I, 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 I kind of think I know where Josh is going, but I, I just want to bring this up. If not, like we were talking about how there seems to be inconsistency with some of these episodes and you can blame it on different directors taking their own vision with, yeah. you know, Rodriguez and the, the Vespa power Rangers, you know, not really, blending so nicely on Tatooine in in the first place like right. they just so look out of their own environment like they don't mm -hmm. look acclimated to the scene at all mm -hmm. um but if but if you've got you know like you said John comes in and sprinkles some magic around here and there moves a lens here does this moves that gaffer over there whatever and then you've got Filoni running around with with Rodriguez there you kind of got I, I kind of ask myself well like didn't they realize that this isn't gonna kind of flow with where they're spearheading things toward right you know i had an i had an apologist a dear friend of mine from queens as well uh dimitri papadala i forget his name he's a wrestler but nicest guy and he was saying something oh yeah lines of i know a who nod he is. to lucas uh in regards to american graffiti with sort of the flashy vehicles uh, and that it was sort of almost an indirect nod to where you know again just like with anything even with an audition sometimes you know they want you to do a second take and, and you know you strike out but the other thing is, again, for me personally, again, even though with the criticism, two things with the toxicity. Number one, I believe in, in, in being passionate and disliking something, but I do not support anyone, you know, crapping on somebody's page and saying on how somebody is an idiot because they enjoyed it. Um, there was a great example. I remember Dark Phoenix, which I, I would never have seen in a million years. Um, but there was a woman that was uh, she was the popcorn concession person. My, my, my wife and I were going to get ready to see um, the summer uh, horror movie there with in Sweden. Um, oh God, oh, what's her name? Mid, mid, midsummer. A, midsummer. Yes, uh, it was amazing. But anyhow, the woman's behind the uh, the popcorn thing. She's asking me if we're going to see Dark Phoenix. I said no. But she's talking with so much passion and enthusiasm. 
And for me, I always bring up that example because there's some people who they, they might find their hero through that. They might find somebody that they relate to, just like we relate to Han being an alpha male, you know. Um, so I, I just believe in both and that people should have that passion and care about it. And then also people should also be passionate about disliking something, but also at the same time, not taking it out on, on other fans, you know, having that perfect balance where I think everything could sort of coexist in the fan base. Yeah, I think that's important. And I, I mean, look, like uh, on first take, the uh, the Vespas did not do it for me. And I just, I don't even think it was, I think it was ma really just the execution and how they edited the uh, the chase at the end was the big thing. Because, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I can see where, and I think we even mentioned that on the podcast where it, it was kind of like a, an homage to uh, American Graffiti and uh, kind of George's youth. And I think that, and it really tied it back in for me at the end, because you find out that, um, I can't remember her, uh, Sophie That Thrasher, Thatcher, I think it's mm -hmm. her, the actress's name that plays the uh, the main Vespa writer. She says- yeah, I, like, thought she, she I thought she was maybe gonna be Afro, which I thought would have been cool. Right, yeah, yeah. there was some, yeah. there was some, uh, you know, some hi people hypothesizing that and a couple other things, but just the, you know, it turns out she said she grew up just like a block away, a, you know, Womp Rats, Rats Hop or whatever that she says in the episode, the finale, yeah. away from there. And so she's like this small, like hometown girl that uh, likes to race, you know, her uh, her shiny little Vespa around. And that gave me George Lucas vibes, too, from Modesto, California. You know, like that that's who he was. He was uh, the kid that was, uh, you know, taking his car and, you know, souping it up and. uh I, I didn't know if you I didn't know if you guys noticed, but I, I watched the for the first time I watched the day the Earth stood still last year, and I had no idea until last year that Verada, Nikto, and Clatu uh, were the connection to that movie for Lucas. But just so you know, uh, what I noticed within the, the the side characters of this series with Book of Boba, the ones that that are most featured are the Baradas, the Nictus, and the Clatus. That was pretty oh, yeah. cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I hadn't re even read that's a, that some together. connective tissue. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love I, I love all that. Like I said, you, I think just Star Wars fans in general just hate when it's just kind of blah thrown out and there isn't that level of depth or backstories and such. And like I said, hopefully, you know, Gecko is gearing up for that little interesting Easter egg of, uh, you know, having an appearance to where there is that depth that the true fans, you know, really appreciate. And again, aren't really crapping on the rest of the series of, of you know, maybe eight or nine or what have you of what they were disappointed in, but just enjoying that depth, which I don't think anyone should feel ashamed of, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, you got to walk a really fine line with, uh, with star Wars. And I don't think anybody's really executed it as well as George Lucas did where, you know, and I, I've said it before, he gives, he gave you just enough in uh, a new hope where you have the Jawas, you have the sand people, um, you know, you have this cantina full of scum and villainy and all these little mm -hmm. side characters in the cantina. You know, it's been said a thousand times that if you just shifted the lens slightly in Star Wars uh, and started following another group of characters, they'd probably be leading just as extravagant and extraordinary of a, an adventure and a journey. Um, yeah. But, you know, he also didn't give you all these answers. You know, you mm -hmm. didn't know too much about the Sand People. You didn't know too much about the Jawas. He didn't explain everything to death. Uh, yes. But here we are, 40 years, 40 plus years later and now we dove into the backstory of the tuscan raiders more than we ever had yes. um but so i think they almost give us too much sometimes 
or not enough. Like it's a really fine line to walk. And I, I mean, really, I think what it is, is we've all become too picky. Uh, we're yes. all looking for uh, George Lucas level mastery and things yeah. and expecting yeah. that. And it's just, it's, uh, we have to be more gracious with the, uh, with, with the creators we have now, because uh, you know, just like you've, you've accomplished your dream of being a star Wars fan and you're in star Wars now. Um, and you know, you're, you're still chasing this dream and, uh, or, you know, you're, you're waking up from it or you're, you're happy with it. You're happy in the daydream. That's, uh, where you were at with, uh, with Gecko. Um, mm -hmm. and I think we have to be, we, we just have to realize that the creators now are, were fans, most of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yep. how, how much better could we do if we just put our minds to it? But, sure. uh, yeah, we just have to give it give it time to breathe and uh, let everybody uh maybe acclimate to it um yeah yeah absolutely and you know i think the things that maybe we were hoping for like i said i, I was hoping the final episode was going to be boss you know at least you know because we saw the trandoshians right um yeah. but uh, you know they may have a bigger plan because this is a long you know 10-year journey as opposed to exhausting it you know i did season four of prison break and and by that time it ran out of gas you know um, so, you know, maybe it's one of those things to where they do get the band back together. Personally, you know, I'd love to see Vinnie Jones play Dengar and, and uh, maybe, you know, for the diversity, I have uh, Zookas and Forlone be a female voice, um, you know, but I, I would uh, ultimately love to see them go in that direction. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great if they were to uh, kind of expand on that. And I think I think there's a good possibility that that they will. Um, and we've been talking about how, you know, it, it seems like Dave and John are doing more just like with their directing, right? Um, how you said that's so fluid and they're kind of weaving in and out and they have, everybody's giving little bits and pieces and, uh, you know, contributing. I think that's almost what um, they're doing with the, with these, with these uh, series, you know, yeah. you have uh, Mikey, I think you said it best uh, last week or the week before that they're kind of doing the opposite of what Marvel did um, mm -hmm. with the MCU um not uh just having like individual movies and then all coming together they're all coming together right now like they're right. all they've all come together right right yeah um, that yeah. was a long conversation with jason last week so i'm like wait which time <laughs> oh yeah i did say that <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh and so like they can they can move it's more of an anthology feel from the get-go uh that they're building up to um so hopefully we can we can see you know where they take this and where they expand on it i think just the big the big problem is um the way they're presenting things and the way they're marketing these things uh they could better prepare us um because i don't know what do you, what do you guys think t what do you think in terms of uh naming something after like a time period versus a persona uh you're talking about like the old republic like that like I mean, yeah. yeah, like, uh, yeah, like the old, like they called this the book of Boba Fett. Um, oh, and they yeah. called the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, you're naming it after, after people, uh, yeah. they called, you know, solo, solo. Um, but you know, you have like the clone wars and that's just about a period of time. Uh, they, and then they have like the, uh, star Wars rebels is about a, it's about like a group of people, but it's also about like the formation of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. I think that they would do better to, uh, I don't know, to kind of name things after, even with, uh, even with like the, the upcoming, uh, you mentioned Deborah Chow, um, Dominic, and you know, you, you had a great experience working with her and she's going to be helming all of, uh, Kenobi. 
Um, but they're just calling that Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. I, I mean, I think both can work. I think it really just comes down to the writing. Um, I think that Hollywood is sort of challenged right now in terms of this whole political balance. Uh, you know, my theory, and again, just kind of uh, not off the record, but politically incorrect. Uh, I just believe if you're doing a story about in Queens and Brooklyn, uh, we're going to have Italians and African-Americans. Um, you know, if you're doing a, a Larry David, uh, you know, youth story like we're seeing in Curb Your Enthusiasm, where there might be gearing towards that, there's going to be a lot of Jewish people. So my point is, is right now there is this whole sort of, you know, uh, my, my first team of uh, high school football, uh, you know, the first team uh, in varsity football. If I said, hey, you know what, there's no first team members that are Italian. I, I mean, it's kind of going to put a throw a wrench in the whole chain. So there's a lot of this challenge right now in terms of making things politically correct and at the same time moving the story. But uh, but going back to what you're saying, I don't think it really makes a difference of the, you know, the, the title of the show, as opposed to just like with Rogue One, uh, the organism and the depth of it and also the characters that you really sympathize with, with due to performance and also the arc and depth of the story, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I. I hear. You. I think that ultimately that's what it comes down to, and that's uh, all it needs to succeed. I just think it, it might have been better um, received because you had people complaining like, "Oh, this is called the Book of Boba Fett," and then we didn't have oh, Boba so, Fett. Oh, you're saying it's gonna, because it's yeah, it's not specified on him. It should have been just that era. Right, and even in the yeah. Mandalorian, you know, they've kind of uh, they centered on Din for a while, but that's kind of like Filoni's um, MO. That's how he right. does this, right? right? Like even with in, in like season one of Rebels, it was all the new characters. Right. Um, you, you centered on Sabine and Kanan and Zeb and uh, Hera and Ezra. Um, but then the, the finale, you know, he brings in Ahsoka. And yeah. then like with season one of The Mandalorian, you have you, you get introduced to Din. They they throw Grogu in there, and right. you get all these all these uh, new characters, Cara Dune and Grief Karga. But then yeah. the finale, you you know you start you start bringing in uh, like the dark saber, and then uh, season two, you know he brings back in um, Ahsoka comes back into the mix, and yeah. you start you start he starts pulling from all these different, and Boba Fett comes back in obviously. Right. Um, uh I think also the thought that, you know, part of the thought process, just thinking in terms of, you know, now all the competition with new media, as far as just making sure you're keeping those subscribers hooked, but your ideology might be on point. It's just a matter of, you know, having people like, just like the comic book series, uh, you know, trying to get people to, to buy and latch on to the next without intertwining, which may not organically work for the series itself, but, it, you know, they're thinking about making sure that you're, you're going to be hitting that resubscribe uh, for the rest of the year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think that, I mean, you guys can tell, like, tell me if you agree or not. Do you ever think we would have gotten, if George Lucas was still helming this, say that somehow uh, we're, we're getting Disney Plus shows, but George Lucas is still at the helm. Are we naming shows, you know, The Book of Boba Fett? Are we naming, is there a movie just called Solo? Are we getting mm -hmm. a TV series just called Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah. Well, I, um, I well, so, well, go ahead. Go ahead, T. Well, so, like, we know that Lucas really enjoyed boba so definitely there would have been a a boba titled show whether it be the book of boba or <clears throat> right. 
Yeah, I think it would have been there would have been a boba. There might have been a boba. Well, I don't know. Like Lucas put him in the Sarlacc pit. And he he was he was content to leave him there. Everybody else kept pulling him out. <laughs> like, I, I I I think that uh, George loved having the mystery behind a lot of the characterization that's that's thrown into these scenes. You know, he 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 didn't need we didn't need an answer in episode four of like where the sand people came from and what their tribe history is. It's just like, well, no, they're they're the sand people. They're 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 there. Whatever you want them to be, whatever. <laughs> so like, but but with that, if Star Wars with George at the helm still expanded to the way it is now with like these new formats of how we consume content today through these streaming apps, subscription based services from studios directly and say it was inevitable that he would have to do this. Um, you got to remember, like some of the titles he played with was like the adventures of, of Starkiller, like like the right. like. So he liked that serialized way, comic book way of like, and I don't know if it's a naming convention of like, well, story. Let's just call it storytelling for the for the for the fact of of how he wrote it in the first place, right? Like how nineteen seventy seven Star Wars was written anyway. Um, so I feel well, like it, instead of instead of solo and like very very marquee like Hollywood, I it, maybe it would have been like. Um, uh, Han Solo and and the, the the and the Castle Run or something and something and something like you know what right, I mean right. like he, like he Indiana would, Jones and yada 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 right but I also see what you're saying is that you know the episodic films and their and their um, unique titling and and the the theme of how they're titled and then we have Clone Wars which is an era right like so yeah. would would George go would George call this like um uh the you know the imperial remnant you know i don't know like would, would right. this be like would this be like like because of the time period that we're in right like just focus on that instead of these, these like specific characters are gonna all have their own little pockets right because i mean if they had just called this like season three of the like shadows of the empire television show um then I don't think people would have been as upset. Like, oh, they probably would have been more excited. Like, oh, we get to follow Boba Fett for like three episodes, you know? Like everybody got hyped when Boba Fett came back. Uh Um, And then if you get to follow Boba Fett for a few episodes, you're like, oh, this is cool. We're really getting to know what Boba Fett's doing. And then if it jumps over to Luke, like everybody's going to get even more pumped because you're seeing what Luke's doing in this era, this show about this era. Yeah, but Dominic is is right though. And he knows the business better than us. they're using the franchise, these franchisee names from the original trilogy that relates to home. every Star Wars fan to hook you in. And now is the time to do it, right? Like we are, they already blew the sequel trilogy, not not, not in a bad way. Like they already <clears> passed <throat> that. They already passed that. Good, good and bad from all of it. So that's like, well, the people who grew up with the original trilogy are only going to be alive for like, I don't know, not to depress anybody, 40, <laughs> 40 more years, 40, 50 more years. So we need to get these links, the links in the chain of like the generational to fix the generational gap to keep this machine going. We've got to use these characters now as the top bar marquees and then introduce and spider in the uh, the Ahsokas and the, and the everybody else from there slowly. Like, I think they tried to do it really quickly. They're like, yeah, just throw Han and Chewie in the Force Awakens, and then you know Harrison will be happy. He won't be in the rest of them, and then and then that's it. Then then the generations are connected. It didn't work really, like right. in the grand scheme of things. I mean, especially in China, the numbers are really bad. So I think that they have to like 
they're treating it with more concern and more tender loving care now by doing it slower but they're also milking our characters by putting their names at the, as the top bar marquee so to speak on the silver screen yeah comic books do that too don't they you know where you know it's you know there was even talking to marvel where i was just like hey just get them on a cover i don't even care if you you know you can get them on a cover i don't care you know it's the same thing where it might not may not be part of the story but it's misleading you know it's like uh with the campaign they did with uh tom hardy for road warrior you know it, it was nothing to do with him you know right yeah yeah it just it puts the guys in the seats and they're like hey what are we watching over here what's this what is over here now what's going on over here <laughs> oh no i don't think you can get canceled for doing a paisan if you could get canceled for doing a paisan today i don't want to live in this world no no i just mean like <laughs> being shocked because all the ladies are the warriors and they're like what oh the yeah, yeah, yeah 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 our audience our audience is laughing yeah they don't care they don't care yeah. um no but i mean uh did you guys see the uh there was a, an article about around the last couple of days about George Lucas talking about Grogu and his thoughts on Grogu. Mm. Um, uh, I guess Filoni at first was pretty hesitant about introducing something like this, but he kind of came around to the idea when he ran it past George, he said, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, he, he was kind of behind it, but his only, uh, his only input. And let me know what the first thing that comes to your guys' mind when you hear what George's input was, was uh, make sure he gets a proper amount of training. <laughs> uh, well, because he was probably crapping on the sequel trilogy, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, because obviously, uh, you know, Ray, they kind of skipped over all that. That's that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But... Right, I think that's, that's, that's where a lot of people's minds jump to. Mikey, you think of anything else when you hear that? I was uh, I was trying to pull it up for for us and for Dominic. Yeah, um, I, I, I you know what I didn't really. First of all, I wasn't paying attention to you, Josh, because I was <laughs> pulling this up. Second, second of all, I, I read it. I read it while I was working today. Um, okay. And I, I didn't really read the whole thing, but I'm it, going. It kind to... of meanders. It, it's from the direct um, by Andrew Gilman. It's Star Wars director reveals George Lucas' main concern with Grogu, and that was his only main concern. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much uh, it was supposed to be directed at like crapping on the prequels as much or on the sequels um, as it was. Uh, oh, yeah, I can let you share the screen. Hold on one second. Mikey. You can pop that up here um, as as it was showing. Um, I just kind of lost my train of thought as uh, it was. It was just kind of trying to tell us. Um, like be careful because i think like just having a yoda species george was always like we were talking about the being secretive about it and stuff right um but he uh he always really liked keeping things kind of a secret like it was off limits when george ran the company to kind of go into depth on like yoda um like we only had yoda and we had yaddle and the only reason we had yaddle is because it was a failed yoda puppet and despite how uh, rich George was and how much money he would throw at things. He, he also is kind of like uh, my, uh, my Dutch heritage where it's like, well, if you have it, you're going to use it. Um, mm. We're not going to throw anything away. <laughs> so that's why we got, you know, uh, kind of an unexplained, another uh, Yoda in there. Yeah, it says, uh, let's see. 
an early idea was that uh, or I had a talk with George at one point that about the child. His main concern was having uh, was that the kid has to have proper amount of training. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I mean, did did Luke really have the proper amount of training? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, empire is empire. I mean, I, I think, you know, there were those little pearls of wisdom, which I think was about as much time as you can possibly have on screen, I, I thought was decent. But also, I mean, to, to support Luke, he, uh, I mean, they pretty much came out with saying he didn't complete the training until in between uh, uh, five and six, to where obviously right. then you just take it for, uh, you know, the understanding that that's when uh, the training happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right, I, like I think that's a direct train, slap so. over to, uh, yeah, to episode eight and nine, you know, but, <laughs> you know, please, that's, that's. Well, like, and uh, that go ahead, Don. Oh, no, no, I, I just say we, we don't want to go down that that well, you know, it's just, it's, uh, we, we, we've all, we've, I think, have all talked to that ad nauseum uh, over the years. <laughs> well, well I. I Go ahead, Mikey. Sorry. No, I, I, I guess the, the length of the training or where they're at in the training isn't as important as the, the training actually commencing and beginning. Yeah, um, right. So not to go down the other conversation that, that Dominic is talking about, but I guess it was important to to share, to have the force, the force connection through the mentor, because it's always about the mentor teaching the, you know, the apprentice or the Padawan, right? Like the master to Padawan type of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's important to him, I guess, because in throughout life, especially for young people to understand that, you know, you get your wisdom, which is more powerful than physical strength through through elders that can kind of guide you a little bit. And it could be spiritual. It doesn't have to be your father. Right. So I think that's yeah. like for him, it's more about the mantra and the metaphor than like, well, she didn't learn a freaking backflip, uh, you know, backwards uh, lightsaber flip. Blah, 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 blah. You know, so, um, so yeah, so I, I get that. But he said there's other stuff that he influenced. I didn't know if you want to talk about it, but that's why I brought it up. I can skip over it if you want or just. Yeah, get rid of it. no, uh, it did talk a lot about like uh, he visited the sets of uh, the Mandalorian and let's just say. Uh, they ended yeah, up, I, I, uh, yeah, he was he was there when I was there. Really? That's right. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you could I, I think I told the story many times, but I literally am being rushed into my first playset was a cantina playset. I'm being rushed in with two guys making me up as a one of a kind bounty hunter and, and literally walking into my first playset at a cantina and leaning up against the bar is George talking to John. Uh, it was, it was John's birthday. Yeah. That was day one. And wow. Kathleen Kennedy's there. Dave's there. And, and I, I mean, it's all just kind of coming all at once. It was like, I literally like my hands went numb. Yeah. <laughs> that, that must've been one of the best days ever. Yeah, that picture yeah. that John revealed yep. um, that, you know, on, on his birthday, that was that was uh, my day one right there. Yeah. When he's holding he George is holding Grogu. Is that the picture? No, no, that was later. That was. Uh, oh, it's it's, it's, oh, it's the four of them bring together. John a bottle of wine, I believe. He gets a bottle of wine. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah I remember, right. breaking, literally, literally I remember right that, that picture now. getting broken down. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> cool. Um, well, no, he influenced uh, chapter 15, which I guess is season two Mandalorian, right? Like episode yep. seven, is that episode seven? That the the Imperial drivers were wearing the ADAC commanders from Empire, from Empire Strikes yep. Back. And uh, they, decide, they decided to go with the tank troopers from Rogue One, which was the, like more armor heavy set, like heavy armor. Um, 
that was designed by George, uh, that was chosen from George Lucas, but it was on Rogue One initially. Um, but then uh, it, th this is from a, for a book, by the way, from the making of the Mandalorian. But then it also says that George kind of establishes the design and the aesthetic of the costumes because based on in here, if you can read the bottom quote there, uh, that if a, chi a child should be able to draw this. Right, like the armor, the armor of the costume design shouldn't be so complex that like a, a child can't actually draw the silhouette. At the very least, the silhouette of the character. So you yeah. can keep you keep it simple, but at the same time, make sure you make it believable. At the same time, which those two things on their own, I think, are simplistic, but those two things together are more difficult. Yeah, it says. Uh, so what makes a strong Star Wars design? The guidelines established by George Lucas are simple: design as if a child could draw it. Design for the silhouette, design for the iconic logo, keep it simple, give it personality and make it believable. And I remember like one of the main things he always said when he was going through uh, all the designs, especially with like Doug Chang and stuff, because I watched all those behind the scenes, like um, the beginning for episode one, like over and over and over when I was younger. Uh, and he was like, you have to be able to look at it and understand how it works. Um, you just got to keep it simple like that. And I think he's been having a lot more influence he's kind of been like getting more and more um uh getting more and more influence back in uh the television series and i think that the fan reception like we were talking about that secret lucas ingredient earlier you know it's just something that was kind of missing at times and uh it's like a fine line to walk but with his relationship with uh with filoni and you know they even talked about in that same article uh when ahsoka came back like uh, he was there on set the day when Rosario Dawson came back, you know, came in as Ahsoka and helping kind of lead that, even just her mannerisms and stuff. And like, oh, Ahsoka would or wouldn't do that. Um, this is how you should or shouldn't, you know, present it. And just reminding uh, Favreau that, uh, you know, it's for the fan. Remember, this is for the kids, like at heart. Like this is really, um, you have to kind of speak to them and speak to their life story. But um yeah, that's that's exactly what I was kind of diving into, Mikey. Like that ingredient of of George Lucas that was that was missing from some of the uh, the sequels, because you know we all famously know now that they they took his treatments and his ideas and they decided to go a different way. Um, but yeah, I, and I think they used um, very little. Well, there was Ralph McQuarrie concept artwork that was used in the sequel trilogy, but there's way more. Ralph McQuarrie artwork approved by George Lucas concept art for the television. Well, there's more hours in the TV stuff now. Like it's right. like three, three or four times what, what we had from, a, from three movies. But I think initially like the whole methodology behind the creativity, the creative process was to use all that shit as much as possible, a little bit more than like what JJ and, and Ryan initially did. Right, because it goes back to like the photocopy thing, right? They were just trying to copy George Lucas. Uh, they were just trying to copy exactly what was there. Um, you know, in The Force Awakens, we just had X-Wings and TIE Fighters again. And as iconic as they are, you know, they didn't give us a new icon, um, a new right. silhouette, a new ship. They didn't even like take things and tweak it. Like what they did in The Mandalorian, I think is perfect because they gave us uh, the N1 Starfighter. They gave us the Naboo Starfighter. And then they instead of just copying and pasting the Naboo Starfighter or copying and pasting the, the, uh, the X-Wing, they found a way, like you were saying, Dominic, to kind of uh, mesh 
the trilogy, you know, connect the change, connect those dots um, to uh, they took something for the prequels and they made it, you know, they original trilogy eyes it. Yeah. Um, but the article, like we've been just on Boba Fett news this whole time. Uh, one of the other articles, there's been several articles about it. And I was, I had the link on here and I can't pull it up now, but it was talking about, uh, you guys remember the planet from the force awakens that got the planets that got blown up the, the Hosnian prime system. Um, had you guys heard that JJ wanted to make that Coruscant? Yes. Yeah. Then everyone went crazy. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, no. Yeah. So JJ initially wanted wanted to blow up Coruscant in uh, in the Force Awakens. Um, so go ahead, Dom. I'll let you talk first and tell me what you think about that. Well, I mean, you know, to take a step back with JJ, I, I mean, you know, since it's already done. I would have loved to have just at least seen uh, for the salvation of some of the storyline, and just for my taste, um, to have seen him do eight as well. So at least we would have had a little bit more of a steady arc. Um, As far as that's concerned, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, those kind of decisions are really delicate with the Star Wars fan base. Um, I think it makes people question in terms of his uh, depth of knowledge in regards to the fans and also the universe. Um, But ultimately, uh, you know, the first thing I think about with JJ was just, I wish he would have been able to have been there um, to at least have created his whole, like, you know, it was funny with my wife, we were, I was making a, a very unique uh, Italian dish on Sunday and she'll do one as well. But the one thing for me is get out of the kitchen. I, I, I got it from start to finish because again, if you got, it just, not only is it annoying, it just also is probably not going to work. <laughs> no, she put too right. much basil. You put too much basil, basil in the pasta. What are you doing with all the basil? <laughs> Episode eight had too much freaking basil. So the point that's all I can think about is JJ and the Italian pasta. He should have done the whole freaking dish. Right. But uh, you know, but the fans, I mean, obviously, yeah, anytime you mess with something that's a major part, uh, especially of the prequels, uh, they're gonna get sensitive and understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm. So where where do you take that then, uh, uh Mikey? What do you think about would you would you have been upset if they destroyed Coruscant? Yeah, because it's just another underlining way of I don't I don't want to say disrespect. Like uh, let the past die, like the line, the line alone people are upset about. You know, right. and it's Load like it's it's taken out of context, but from the art form, the director's trying to say something else and like the prequel fans are going to go nuts over that. I mean, god, how, how sensitive the world is today to begin with, like, you know, they're there's uh there's some people hold these things in very high on high pedestals with high respect right and uh to just blow up like the the core planet in the system you know is is kind of disrespecting the prequels i could i i'm looking i'm looking at it from their eyes people would be upset about this would i be annoyed probably only because i want more stories on coruscant like right. i want stories like 30, 40 years after the OT on Coruscant to see like how it evolved. And like, you're going to take that away from me just by, by getting rid of the getting, getting rid of that environment. Right. That uh, that's been around, that's been around by the way, in the old Republic. So it's been around for thousands of years. It's like the city planet. There's no city planet, like the city planet. So, you know, I can, I can kind of see how that would be disruptive in the community. See, what do you, what do you, what's your first thought on that? Oh, uh, well, from somebody who actually started watching the the prequels first, 
not seeing the original. Uh, I think I would have been a little upset. I mean, <clears throat> knowing... Say what? What was that? Uh, so a little bit of reverb. Oh, so yeah, knowing that is like one of the first planets, like, I mean, in the, the prequel, you know, what, Naboo first? That's the first planet where, and then, and then it's uh, Tatooine, Tatooine, and then it's Coruscant. Right. So. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so for you, you've got a very different uh, introduction to Star Wars and stuff. Like for uh, Mikey, Dominic, and myself, like Tatooine is home base for us. Um, for you, it's it's Naboo, and because uh, yeah, for us, it's just basically uh, Tatooine and Yavin. Um, and then for for T, uh, you're kind of all over the place. You got uh, you've got Coruscant, you've got Tatooine, you got Naboo. Um, yeah, but, but, I think. But, but can I? Can I? May I? And I'm sorry, but but from from the the uh, this the historians like the legends and and new canon freaks like, and I mean freaks in the best way, guys. Whoever's listening, like you you have to understand like the Jedi Temple's been there for thousands of years already. There's right. this this and the Sith Temple was there before that, okay? Yeah. So if you want to talk about you want to go down the rabbit hole of how important Coruscant is, there's a lot, a lot of history there, and there's still a lot of untold story that should revolve around that planet and that system. So if you take that out, there's a lot of treasures and mysteries left uncovered that will never be able to be told. And then you're gonna yeah. have to retcon. You're gonna have to retcon hundreds of star wars legend stories that that are already retconned but in that in that own siloed universe and then also you can't play with that toy box anymore in new canon because you fucking wrecked it right right yeah. you burn that bridge <laughs> right once you blow it up and i think honestly like uh the the problem with the like because i like the force awakens um really liked it when it came out i like to watch it now I liked uh, episode eight. Like honestly, episode eight is my favorite individually out of the uh, the new the new trilogy. Um, and then I like I liked the Rise of Skywalker. Now, if you just take episode eight out of that, like the right like Force Awakens and the Rise of Skywalker, they work very well together. Um, then on the side, I like what Ryan did with like because it was bold and it was, it was more George Lucas style. Like he took some big swings. Um, and I know that uh, like from the little, little bit of what we heard about what George Lucas was going to do with the sequels, uh, it would have been bold and he would have taken bigger swings, but um, d like what you guys are saying, Dom uh, about uh, how they work together on the television series, you had people coming in and coming out and they work together Um I kind of think that's one of the main reasons that we didn't get Coruscant destroyed because from the get-go it's supposed to be JJ, Ryan, and then Colin Trevorrow. And we've all, I think all of us have seen or are aware of Colin Trevorrow's script that has been leaked now. Um, and they went back to Coruscant. Like the whole main battle at the end of his episode nine was at Coruscant. Uh, they were back at the Jedi temple. And I think oh, wow. that's the real, yeah, yeah. So that was his, that was going to be the magnum opus was like, 
where the uh, where episode one began basically was where episode nine was going to end, and they were going to have to retake Coruscant, which makes which makes good sense um, mm. if it's still the seat of power in the in the galaxy. So I think that's really why, just like um, at the end of the uh, Force Awakens, originally JJ had Luke standing at the end, and when Ray came upon him, she was going to be in awe of his great power because these boulders you know, the size of like starships were just going to be floating and orbiting around him. And then Ryan came in and said, Hey, can you not do that? Because I'm taking it a different direction. Uh, and so like, not only is he going to have exiled himself on this planet, which was always the plan, even with JJ, because let's not forget like JJ, the hook that they gave JJ was, Hey, you get to decide what Luke Skywalker does. You get to decide who Luke Skywalker is in this era. JJ is the one who put him off by himself and like, you know, sent him away. And I think Ryan came in and said, like, the only reason Luke Skywalker, the guy who runs off of Empire, you know, runs away in Empire to go help his friends would have stayed put as if he wasn't aware. So that's why he had to cut him off from the force, I think. But uh, and then Ryan did some things in episode eight for Colin. But then when Colin's uh, version of, ep- or, of episode nine got cut out, um, I think that that's where it kind of threw a wrench in the fluidity of things. Um, and I think really like they told JJ no, because Colin probably was already planning on having Coruscant be like the main backdrop for this. We probably, you know, we were going to get kind of like a fleet, not, not an army, just people, you know, like they, like they ended up having in episode nine but it was going to be over Coruscant. It was going to be over the home, the jewel of the galaxy. Um, but all that to say, like you can tell that even though we got JJ back and theoretically it should have made, I think things better, right? It just seems disjointed now because like things kind of did flow into episode eight. Um, but then when you just take a step back uh, somebody was bringing up the uh, the Knights of Ren. I think it was my buddy Sean the other day. He was talking about the Knights of Ren. You know, um, they get name dropped, and I think uh, JJ did a really good job of doing like a George Lucas style storytelling here, because they get name dropped in Episode Seven. You see a quick glimpse of them, um, and then after that, in Episode Eight, there's like nothing, right? Just the Knights of Ren. You get you get one name drop, like "Oh, you, the master of the Knights of Ren." Uh, and then at that time, somebody asked JJ, like, hey, if you were to come back and do another Star Wars project, what would you want to do? And uh, he said, I want to do a Knights of Ren movie. I'd like to do a Knights of Ren spinoff movie. Yeah. Um, so then when they came back and they were like, hey, JJ, we please come back and like take over and finish episode nine. I think whatever he had brewing his head there was kind of half baked. He was like, OK, we're going to throw the Knights of Ren back in here when originally yeah. it could have been like a good like. Tuscan Raider thing or you know like somewhere where the fans could have gone wild for a generation like oh who were the Knights of Ren why is Kylo the only one we ever see did he kill the rest of the Knights of Ren like what <laughs> happened um but you don't have that oversight of like a John and a Dave who are there the whole time and are able to kind of sprinkle influence in um but I think that uh this and like you make a good point like with all the history and the lore and stuff it's probably a good thing they do it didn't do that because even like uh the old republic trailer that just dropped for this new video game um is going to take us back to 
Coruscant and stuff again and kind of tie all this lore and stuff back in together. Um, yeah, it's not canon. Know. The game's not canon, but it's still fucking cool. That's the right. Old Republic game. Yeah, when's that supposed to be coming out? I think the expansion comes out this spring. Okay. Sometime, like April or May or something. Dominic, you're getting into a lot of uh, a lot of gaming. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I'm still, I, my son and I, we enjoy that Red Dead Redemption so much. I mean, uh, it's just the this is the game where they have the controversy because that guy said a few uh, bad things, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought the trailer was really awesome. I, I just, yeah, I love that story mode. Uh, we did GTA together, and uh, before we did uh, Fallen Order there, which we really, really, truly enjoyed. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to picking it up. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it's hard, just like with Game of Thrones. But I mean, again, I don't, I don't work as hard uh, out as hard with uh, as, as Momoa does for for the role of Drogo. Uh, <laughs> but it's hard sometimes to sit there and be like, oh, this would be a perfect gecko opportunity. Look at that, gecko, gecko. You know, you can be yeah, put him right in there. <laughs> you know, he's gonna be so, but uh, but no, but still, I mean, I I, I look forward to it because we really enjoyed Fallen Order. I I love to actually see Cal um, uh, come up in one of the new uh, series there. Yeah, that would be cool. We 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 talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, they showed um, the little droid there. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, the backpack droid. That was yeah. very cool. Yeah. 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 We, we kept thinking they were gearing up for it. Like same thing with like Dominic from from like episode one of Boba Fett um, with the Trandoshans. I was like, oh, look at the uh, look at the Trandoshan masks. Like they had Trandoshans in. Uh, I think there were Trandoshans at the cantina. Oh um, yes, oh, those poor guys. Jesus Christ, they uh they couldn't even drink out of that damn thing. I, I mean, it was. Uh, they have a straw. They have like a straw. Uh no, it was it was. I think it was more difficult than that. It was like they were uh, they were hurting. They were hurting. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, but they were they were told, you know, hey, that's it. But they it, it was it was not fun for them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but so yeah, did they did look... a little more detail to the mask there. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Did it look to you like they detailed the mask more because? Uh... <laughs> that that was my first thought like i saw i saw that and then you know they had the trandoshans that he vaporized uh later that season and mando season one and yeah. they just they were a little bit more stationary than than yeah. uh i mean than what we saw before with bosk or anything else too and then when yeah. we saw these ones and i was like all right now we got black chrysanthemums getting attacked by trandoshan yeah. uh there's a fan film out there. You guys have probably seen it. I'll, I'll try to find it for you. But it's a short film fan film with Boss and Boba. And it's like insane. It, I mean, the, the way this Boss on this, I'll have to send it to you. Um, the guy who helped me write the uh, fan fiction there for Gecko um, sent it to me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, but this was unbelievable. I can't wait to see Boss in Book of Boba. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, haven't, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I, yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, if you shoot that over to us, man, I'd love to see that. Um, Absolutely. But that was that was my whole that, you know that that was my whole thought process too. Like, okay, they're leading up to Bosk coming back. Boss is going to yeah. come back. That's why they had Black Crescent and this Trandoshan fight, um, just to kind of line that up. And then, uh, yeah, when the what is it? BD one is that the droid's name? BD one. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, okay, does that mean like Kale might come into play with this or something? Yeah, you know, yeah. like. And I'm hoping, like, down the line, like, if we get a season two or if they're just using this to sprinkle more in, you know, later yeah. into uh, um, future episodes of The Mandalorian or, or what have you, um, like, they're slowly introducing us to these things. And our, yeah. our buddy Jason was on, and 
go ahead, Mikey. You were going to say something. No, I'm just going to segue again. I'm, I'm going to digress like I always do. But, digress. but, but I, I, no, I, I wanted to just say that uh, all this alien talk and thinking about uh, the grand presence that Star Wars aliens are on the screen. Um, like Dominic is, is such a um, a big presence. And I don't mean big in a physical sense, but and height, too, you know. Uh, there's other other characters he could play because he was uh, he was in makeup, uh, you know. So maybe yeah. Dominic could play, could play Bosque. Yeah, you know. I mean, well, there's a, there's a technical thing. You know, there's a technical thing that's going on. And you know, look, I mean, there really is no way to play it, just like life. Um, but you know, we I talked about it to many fans throughout the tour, and you know, people that were knowledgeable of Lucasfilm and everything else was that. To be rewarded with this, but at the same time, thinking outside the box is, are they concerned there might be copycats who ha will take the same level of ambition and enthusiasm and uh, be sort of a trendsetter with, you know, my campaign? Do right. they want, you know, 10 to 20 examples of that? Now, in a perfect world, uh, it would be great to, I, I don't think anyone, I mean, everyone in this cast, I don't think has matched my level of energy in terms of the way that I marketed this. And the way that I sort of, you know, had to come from grassroots um, to where I don't even think that if they wanted to, uh, even, you know, I remember even, you know, one of the main actors who portrayed a main character, you know, I mean, he he would just say he'd do, go to a ton of uh, conventions, but it would just be very cut and dry. It'd be like, hey, you know, everyone has podcasts. Here's my website. Here's my website. And it's basically just sort of a black and white. Um, so, you know, in that regard, I'm like, I don't think, you know, I hopefully, you know, they, they understand. I don't think it can be reproduced with this level of passion. But that's my only concern is that we cross the line a million different ways um, to where I think we were rewarded, but also at the same time, those NDAs, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it could be almost like the, the bully in front of the, uh, the school auditorium where they can't beat your ass because everybody's watching. Ah. <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe John wants to take me around the schoolyard and beat the living crap out of me, you know? <laughs> Nobody touched the prima donna till the tournament. Is that <laughs> understood? <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, it might be that situation, too. I, I hope so. I mean, they know my passion. Uh, I don't know if Brian is uh, is with them any longer. Uh, he was my makeup artist. He's, he created Gecko. Uh, he was sort of my liaison and in there. And they had a question for me regarding season two. If uh, if he, there was a mole, uh, if uh, if I got life scanned, um, you know, for maybe that reason um, to bring me back for something else so that, that at least they had the mold of my head. I do have the piece now. I, I wore it to San Diego Comic-Con. But again, I like it. I said, I mean, there's certain things, again, would just be happy the fact that we are, you know, gracing with the A-team on, on a Lucasfilm license piece. And then hopefully from there, you know, even with today, this year's campaign, um, there might be an opportunity down the line. And hopefully Dave will see that there. Right so on. did you get, did you say you did get life scanned or? Did no, so he just, he just happened to have, uh, originally the reason it was Gecko was there was two bumps. And I, I think I've told the story to you guys. But yeah, you had the boobs. I, yeah, I said, please, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Um, <laughs> so, but but it just happened to hit, fit my head perfectly. But unfortunately, uh, to my disadvantage, um, it wasn't an exact mold. And, and that, I think, might have been a concern moving forward. Because when they life scan you, then they have that permanent. So they can transition you to other characters. But to be honest with you, I, it doesn't really do me any good to be a villager in can the cantina or even, right. uh, you know, Flashdance's nightclub there, you know. Um, right. <laughs> it really it was about branding i mean really ultimately branding this guy uh, to where that's where the jackpot is for me it's not about being on set again Ooh, i'm so excited i'm on set 
uh, that 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 you know that that ship has sailed. It's really now hopefully nurturing this character um, to where it's able to have that Easter egg for for the fan base there. Makes that makes total sense. Yeah. 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 And and again, like I said, fortunately, a lot of other awesome shows that are coming up that I've been a part of and just was with uh, Fred Armisen, a really cool one on CBS, a fun comedy coming up on March 31st. So, again, like I said, I just uh, I feel like this is a great little graceful way uh, to get off stage. And then hopefully there'll be an encore with something substantial, either a, a Funko Pop Hasbro or to be back on the show or in the animation or even a video game option, because I think he's got attributes that really would complement all the other bounty hunters in terms of a powerful blaster, uh, slow agility, um, but very powerful like uh, Jason from Friday the 13th in terms of a, a right hook, like a, a, a you know, um, a, a, like a Krasik there or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Black, Sam. Black Chris, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Tony Kukos, you know, yeah. <laughs> The name that nobody can say. Man, I can't yeah, tell how many times I slaughtered that name. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that uh, that's just it, though. Like, just the ability to be able to look at your character, and you've expanded it, and the fans have expanded it. I know uh, his ship, I think I seen, was like a, a modified... Um, uh Yeah, yeah, a modified freighter, or the... Uh, yeah, yeah, like the Imperial Cruiser there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tidarium, Tidarium. Uh, yes, with a, with a big uh yeah with a big uh, uh holding uh, uh block there yeah yeah absolutely nice. right no, the, yeah the fans have been amazing i mean they they went to town on wikipedia wikipedia those, those people they get really anal and i you can't argue with them because they just it's like a real honest empire they just call it as they see it but people were adding to it with all different storylines that were just obviously <laughs> just non-canon and wikipedia just was like we're, oh. this is what it's zipped down to you know so yeah now they need to hold up that integrity. There's enough Star Wars integrity that's been broken. Yeah, so we need did, to hold that up. Yeah, and I, I didn't argue with them at all. The only thing I was, uh, my only question was making the name official because if Brian Seif, he's the head of makeup, and he names the character, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, to me, I think that's that's as official as it gets, but they just, it still isn't uh, acceptable enough for him. Uh, the, the mug won't be acceptable enough for him, but I really don't care at this point. I'm just so happy that he's immortalized uh on at least something you, official, you know? Yeah. I mean, did they take some, like, uh, photos, like, uh, shots of you for, like, reference photos or anything while you were in, like... Uh... That that was a thing. Was it really was a situation to where I had to come out of nothing? They did not scan me. They didn't body scan me. All 25. Um, and again, I, like I said, I hope that's the, the myth mythological uh, uh, lesson in here in life, and that 25 bounty hunters, uh, each one looked different, but one took the opportunity and created something with it. And again, I can't stress that enough to my boys. I, I like I said before, I hate what they're teaching them in school. Um, but just I think a perfect example of my word, which my favorite word is meritocracy. Um, you get out there just like the Bounty Hunters Guild. Nobody owes you a damn thing. There is no equal share of the carcass. You know, you go out there and you earn it yourself. And that's what right. we did. But it was unfortunately, they had no idea the level of creativity, enthusiasm, passion I had, there was a beautiful Russian woman there who, uh, she had some really good screenshots. And now in the women's movement there, she could have created quite a freaking campaign. And, and again, it really comes down to um, that hustle. And I hope that that's followed and it's been followed for millions of, of, of uh, you know, uh, of American citizens throughout the years and hopefully a millions uh, to come, but that should be the overall uh, ground basis for our country and story. Uh, gecko the bounty hunter, yeah. You got to gecko yeah, it. I mean, <laughs> ge gecko it. Yeah, we can make that the saying. 
yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of like uh, the old um, like Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, like all those little side characters, you know, just became, you know, the, the whole thing about like shifting the camera over and how any of them, you know, like I, I think yeah. it would be great. To, yeah. um, that, I was just hoping that, you know, or wondering if they had taken a photo of you. Um, yeah, I mean, we had that, some photos. Um, I, I thought there was a guy down in Dallas who did a black series. He did a better job than the production. I mean, it was absolutely amazing in terms of when he created this, uh, this black, he does a black, a black series for every episode. I don't know how he does it. His name is John Black, J-O-N-B-L-A-C-K. And he does an amazing job. Um, it's, uh, I forget what the name of his uh, Instagram is, but um, no, they didn't. Again, it was just, there were no plans at all. Um, but again, what a beautiful saying and a mantra of when life doesn't have plans, you create it. And it just like right. it would be within the Bounty Hunters Guild, you, you have to create your own uh, uh, living and, and, and fight for it, you know? So put them up there with Bosk and everybody else. Yeah, that's who that's who's uh, good graces you got to get in is Pablo Hidalgo, because he's the one who writes all these. Uh, I was yeah. saying, like, there's there's supposed to be a visual dictionary for the Mandalorian coming out. He's um, a tough guy to get a hold of. Doug Chang read my email. Um, and again, we hit every single angle. But that's why this is just such a celebration, because at least one place they, they took the bait and they bit. And uh, it's a great line. And, and uh, Funko has been amazing. They just, again, it's so hard, just like an employee in, in the mailroom when they don't have any plans for you other than to work in the mailroom. You have right. to generate all of that. And so many beautiful success stories over the past 100 years in our country have materialized from that. But you're coming from somewhere that's very, very hard. You know, it's like uh, the slums of India, like, the, you know, that one the amazing story, yeah. Slumdog Millionaire, you know. You got a Jimmy McGillis. I don't know if you watched yeah. Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He started exactly. off in the mailroom and boom, there you go. And here we started, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine they need to get that approval from Lucasfilm on the naming convention of your character too. Yes. So to, I mean, um, I wish I, I I would turn the webcam for you. I have about 150 different Funko Pops in this in this room alone on the sides here, and like you know, the names right on the bottom of the box, and yeah. kind of Gecko would need to be front and center there. So I think that oh, would be it. Yeah, they've been amazing. Uh, they even, you know, they have literally have been, I, I got all the way up to the top of Funko. Um, and they asked me to circle back. And, uh, you know, this year, they actually asked me to. Um, I was, I, uh, in a perfect world, I wanted to invest in a whole exclusive, even uh, enough confidence to invest in 30,000 units. Um, but they said, you know, they will not do an exclusive, circle back for a main line. Um, but we really appreciate everything you're doing and we are paying attention. So see what happens. Uh, ideally, a Marvel comic would be ideal. It's just, uh, and those bastards, I got to show you a picture. I mean, I hate to, uh, it, it, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just that they, they had a character in there about a month or two ago that was the exact replica of Gecko to a point where, like, you would vomit. Um, and it's just like, uh, you couldn't, why couldn't you just make him Gecko, you know? Right, but, right. But, but again, like I said, it's just the whole likeness issue. I said, you know, I'm willing to sign over whatever. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You just, uh, life, you go roll with the punches, East Coast style, and you keep, you're, you're still standing. And, and here we are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. you planning on being at uh, Celebration, Dominic? Uh, there's a day before, which uh, Spencer Jawich, who hosts the virtual cantina in Fullerton, it's called the Bunta Eve Cantina event. Uh, look it up. It's going to be in Fullerton. I'm actually going to be bringing a handful of the, uh, the tiki's are going to be a, a gecko tiki special there at this really awesome bar. Nice. Um, I might cosplay him. I just want to still fill out LFL. They have been so generous, but also at the same time, like I, 
I almost feel like I'm in, I keep inviting myself to this party that I wanted the trigger to be pulled on. And they've shown me in certain ways, but I also don't want to be lingering on the outside looking in. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's a it's a sensitive thing for me. I, I In a perfect world, I would love to cosplay with everyone, especially the 501st members who were there for me since day one. Um, but let me just feel it out, because like I said, even with the whole campaign, I, I just don't want to keep lingering because it's a really... You can imagine I've been I've had a tremendous amount of confidence putting myself out there. But it just like it going back to a high school party when you're in college, it's like, yeah, you know, it's a little awkward right now. It's a little awkward. You know, it's, it's time to take the varsity jacket off and, you know, just say goodbye to a little Tina there. You know, I mean, what the hell? You know, you got you to move on. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, so you said that's in Fullerton, you said? Fullerton, yeah. Spencer Jowitz, he's uh, he uh, is a moderator with Star Wars Celebration page and Facebook. And also with a virtual cantina there and Star Wars autograph news. Uh, Frank, uh, God, I forget his last name. He's from Boston. Uh, but it's going to be a huge event. Uh, Kevin Thompson's going to be out there. I believe the uh, the twins, the Jawa twins, is going to be are being out there. And then also the star of uh, one of the Ewok movies, Eric. Uh, I forget his last name, but he's uh, he'll be there with me as well. There's going to be a whole karaoke event and Star Wars cantina, uh, you know, karaoke, and uh, we'll all be in one special room uh, doing signings there as well. Celebration is best uh, uh, at the after parties and uh, outer parties, if you will. Yes. The best yes. the best time is, is at those types of things. Yeah, I, I may hit up one of the stores, uh, you know, if they are on the main floor and to have a certain amount of tiki's to, to sell. But like I said, ultimately, I, I just really I, I wanted to use this little tour to just literally genuinely say thank you. Uh, just kind of uh, dissipate the 350 units left. Um, I, which I don't think is going to be a problem. And then, like I said, just kind of fall into line and see what uh, they want to do. Listen, you can always give me like 50, 60. I got a nice little corner out there by the Hilton, like right on yes. the side. Cash, I got Cash App, Venmo, Bitcoin, <laughs> right on the That's side. It. We'll just bang them out for you. I'm no telling you, $20 and see what you can do with it. $20. My, my son, they've got like four Little League games going on at the same time. I said, if we got to get down to that. You know, we'll, get, we'll be right in the middle. Hey, you want some Girl Scout cookies? I got to get to the belly on a tiki bug over here, too, you know? That's it. Listen, for the baseball moms, though, you gotta, it's got to come with a little vodka and, and already in there. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I, I think, Daniel, with the live show, I already pre-sold 170. I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. Um, it's geckotiki.com, by the way, G-E-K-K-O-T-I-K-I. But um, I, I think we're going to be fine. I just, uh, the sooner I can uh, dump them off, the better. Um, and I, like I said, I just want to tour around and just say thank you. Chicago, oh my God, they're planning this huge, huge uh, thing with the Red 5 Network and uh, Rebel Force Radio and, and uh, Tequila Company wants to sponsor it. It's going to be great. So it's going to be a great awesome. summer. Um, but like I said, let's just see where things lie after that. Either way, you become like a titan in the fan community. So uh, that's why I wanted to have you on and let you promote promote this and then uh, just kind of feel out where you're at with uh, with Book of Boba Fett, where we're at. And, and you know, I think the hori- the double twin sun horizon is bright for uh, for May for, for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yes. uh, man, that that promises to be. Uh, so you're having that uh, that uh, meetup is the night before celebration, you said. That's correct. Boonta Eve, B-O-O-N-T-A Eve, E-V-E. Just look, uh, it'll come right up and you can at least okay. have that marked down on your calendar if you come in a day before. I think it's going to be huge. Um, and I'm definitely going to bring a nice good stack of the tiki's there. There'll be a drink special, et cetera. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a huge Star Wars fan base there that night. Fullerton, California. 
Yeah, I think you met my buddy Casey, who's podcasted with me out there. Um, he yeah. uh, he came out and met you. He he got the big tiki set. I think it was by the same guys uh, that was the Millennium Falcon. Yes, it's like a punch bowl, man. That punch is, bowl. That yeah. is now. Just so you know, I mean this this company is no joke. That one and the sand crawler are completely sold out. They have now jumped up to buy the the whole uh, punch bowl set with on and Chewbacca. It's like three hundred and forty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, these guys are the real deal. It's it's an amazing uh, a line that they've done for so many different uh, pop culture brands. Um, and I'm so honored, like I said, to be a part of that mural uh, with this group because uh, half of their stuff, you go to Star Wars on Geeky Tiki or on um, uh, Beeline Creative, half of their Star Wars stuff is like sold out. Sold out, yeah. Yeah. Man, all right. Uh, guys, awesome show, awesome conversation. Thanks for coming on so much. Uh, Dominic, is there anywhere else that uh, you want people to be able to follow you? Uh, no, just uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. And then uh, March 31st is going to be How We Roll, the season premiere of a great comedy. It's a true story based on a bowler from the Midwest who actually was bowling 250 and 260, ended up becoming a pro. Um, you can look me, uh, check me out and play in uh, Suede Wade on that. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then This Fool, uh, it's going to be with Fred Armisen. It's called This Fool, and that'll be on Yulu this summer, uh, starring in a movie called Deceived, uh, coming this June, uh, and a lot of other uh, fun appearances. Fairly Odd Parents for Paramount Plus uh, play one of the bad thugs in that. Uh, <laughs> so really fun year ahead. Um, but uh, like I said, hopefully the start of Gecko's future, uh, but more importantly, just so grateful to the Lucasfilm for giving me this little small gift. Awesome. Mikey. I love bowling comedies. <laughs> Holy comedies are amazing. I just, watched, I just watched Kingpin again the other day. Uh, it's how <laughs> underrated that movie is. It's the amazing. Best, best. Awesome, awesome. And, and then Big Lebowski right after that. It was like oh, the best man. bowling comedy day ever. This, this yeah. should be uh, pretty good. CBS there uh, coming March 31st on the premiere. Suede Wade. It should be, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll, Wade. Do a bowling, I'll do a bowling tool. Start uh, signing bowling balls all throughout <laughs> all, the, all the seedy bowling alleys. And say, hey, we got Dominic Pace over here. He's signing. There you go. He's signing in the corner with a pitcher of beer. Fun out beers. 10 cent wig night. T and I just started getting into bowling again lately. So when, uh, next yeah? time you come back around, you can come back here and just uh, show yeah. us up. <laughs> I've been, I've been doing the golf. I've been doing the golf thing. Not bad. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Now, you know, I don't want to keep score yet, but I'm doing okay. Oh, I just got my daughter. Well, last year, uh, just got my daughter a, a golf set. It's fun. Oh. It's, it's it was so great through COVID because nobody's up your ass. It's, it's yep. it was perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much. All my love to everybody and to the listeners, and uh, hopefully we'll see you throughout the country when we uh, we tour there in July there. Yeah, Thanks, definitely. Dominic. We'll see you. We'll see yep. you in July, or we'll see you in May. Awesome. All right, guys. All right, Have a good Take night. care. Have okay, a great everyone. one. So you can find me at Maximum Paps on Twitter and the Pop Culture Hour on Facebook, and you can find me at the Whitestone Bowling Alley Lanes right off of the Whitestone Expressway <laughs> next to City Fields. Not tonight, though. I will be bowling soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a bowling <laughs> kick lately. Ooh, yeah, so are we. Yeah, I, I got to get a new ball. Uh, oh, we should. Uh, oh, oh, who has a Nintendo Switch? Anybody? Uh, we will be getting my daughter one here shortly. I've been looking. Door. I've been pricing them. So, so, so remember Wii Sports? Remember for yeah. the Wii? Wii Sports with the Wii Bowling, which was amazing. Yep. So yep. Nintendo Switch Sports is coming out in like April or May, which is the sequel to Wii Sports. So they're bringing back motion controls with the with the Wiimote, with the not the Wiimote, with the Joy Cons, 
because um, there is a the gyro. The, the, yeah, the Wiimotes and the Joy-Cons and the and the, and the tchotchkes. Um, so, <laughs> so, and... so I'm saying no. So online bowling is coming to Switch. Switch is not the ideal platform for uh, multiplayer online because it's hard to talk to one another. But with the, all the technology that we have at our disposal, yeah. we should be fine. But that would be a cool way to bowl with you guys is the new uh, Wii Sports for Switch that's coming out, the sequel. Do they have bowling on the Oculus? I'm sure uh, they do. That's a great question. I am. I would bet my $20 that they have fucking bowling on the Oculus. So we should we should look into that because that would be yeah, pretty we rad. Well, yeah. I don't have an Oculus. Well, my, my buddy Sean, <laughs> he's got an Oculus. And uh, I don't think he's ever bowled a perfect game, but his dad's got like 10 or 12 perfect games under his belt. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. That's one uh, of those sports where, like, you have a good night, and that good night sticks with your like your your career forever. Yeah. Right. Right. Remember that night in February twenty two? We just showed up at the lanes, and I just crushed the three hundred. <laughs> yeah. So we got we got Uncle Rico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, see what you can do with a slab of steak here. No. Uh, <laughs> we we got to get to yeah. We got to get together. Maybe. Uh, Man, that'd be fun celebration. We just have a big meetup. All of great. our uh, all of our listeners can come and uh, meet up with us, and we can go out bowling. And that'd be uh, great. All and... our ten listeners. Who yeah, cares? All That's our, more, our, more, more bowling for us. Yeah. More bowling just, for us. Lanes are I'm, expensive. I'm messing right? around. All right, and T, where can we follow you? <clears throat> all right, if you really if you really want to, which seems to be a thing now uh t green at facebook.com or you can follow uh me at the talking sith pod on facebook and i post on the pop culture hour page so right on yes he does you can follow me josh roach on facebook or uh yeah like he said we're the talking sith pod on podcasts on facebook on instagram uh you can email us at talking sith podcast at gmail.com and yeah we would love to hear from you guys any input you guys have um the next episode i think uh get back to some of our roots um i want to do a, a, a hypothetical episode a so mikey a hypothetical let's do you, it if you want to come up with a star wars hypothetical one little thing like a basically a star wars what if um yeah come up with something and uh, we'll take it off, but guys, I, I already got it. I, I already got it. And it's based based off of a Star Wars post I made. I did this morning for, uh, on the pop on the pop culture hour page. So you may know what it is. Yeah. What if J.J. Abrams? Oh. What if he blew up? Oh, Coruscant. What if? All right, guys. Until next time, may the force be with you. Good. <laughs> Everything expressed in the podcast is the intellectual property of Talking Sith. We are not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Star Wars is their property. We just like to talk about it.